coming to you from that once forgotten artery that pulses through the center of the continental United States and into the heart of the Ozarks, Grace Matthews. Looking in from the northern border, our Canadian friend, along with his countrymen, feeling the effects of U.S. political issues, Connor Murphy. Welcome to Dueling Dialogues, episode 167. I'm Connor Murphy here with Grace Matthews in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, Grace. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good. A little sad about the cathedral at Notre Dame, or the Notre Dame Cathedral in, in France. Yeah, I know. So so sad watching that. That it, uh, It's very sad. And, um, you know, they, the first reports said that it was construction. You know, things can happen. Friction, and there's lots of trees that were made, um, that were used to make the you know, the, the, the form right. of the chapel. Right. In fact, they, they talked about there being a couple of forests. It took nearly 200 years to build this place. Exactly. So um, I, I think you're talking about a unique time. When the guys started it, they knew they were never going to finish it. Yeah, that, that must be an odd That's feeling. an interesting job. But those are how devoted people were to God. Whether you like it or not is irrelevant. Right. That's what these people believed in. And when they first said construction, it it, it sounded reasonable. I'm still not saying that's not the case. But I will tell you that just about 30 minutes ago, um, I I came across a map uh, that shows 875 churches that have been vandalized in France, excuse me, this year alone. Wow. Um, in the last four years, um, there's been attacks on French churches. Now, wow. France is a very um, secular place for the most part. I mean, they, they certainly don't run the country by religion. Right. Um, Notre Dame was very important, of course, to Catholics, but it was a, an important monument to history. Right. The Catholic Church still uses it, but the city um, or the country of France owns it. Right. Now, there are a lot of people saying they're, they're not buying the construction thing or suggesting that there was something nefarious with the construction crew. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I do know that there is a war on Christianity right. across the world. And around the world. And multi-stream media is not talking about it. Exactly. And there's been a war for a long time on Judaism. But Christianity and Judaism are under fire, and that's not right. No, it's not. I I also saw a report saying that it was probably a yellow vester. Which is just so stupid. Yeah. that... That is so not their MO. In fact... A yellow vester would be more likely to protect it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, and I, I think that's just wrong. So we we have a lot of misinformation. Uh, there are a lot of French people that suggested that the government will come out and say the PC thing, right. which will be this, no matter what the evidence shows, this will be a construction accident. Wow. Mishap. You know, something to that effect, regardless of what the cause is. Right. And, um, you know, that's got me thinking. Um, 
how far as a world and as a country are we moving towards communism? You know, we're calling things socialism because we're we're kind of nice. We're kind of afraid to use the term communism. Um, right. I'm not sure that we shouldn't be using that word. And, you know, you guys have had some situations up there with Trudeau. We've yeah, got 20 people running for the presidency on the Democratic side that their platform is socialistic slash communistic. Right. Which is a scary thing. Yeah. And you got people saying the most absurd things. For example, I mean, red, white, and blue are our colors. Whatever happened to being proud of those colors? Yeah. Okay, they're on a, a, a police car in Laguna, um, California. Right. I saw and, that. And there are people complaining that it's too aggressive. Yeah, I, I honestly, I can't even wrap my head around that. Like, holy snowflake, really? It's your American yeah. flag, for Christ's sake. Like, yeah. what are you I thinking? Mean, really, it makes me want to throw everything in my wardrobe out that's not red, white, and blue. Well, someone needs to just stand up and call these people idiots when they open their mouth. Yeah, but do these idiots understand what's happening? I don't think they do. They're so wrapped up in their own little ball of hurt that, that they have blinders on. It, it, I don't get it. I don't either. And, and you know, we have, I don't know. We've been doing this for about two years now. We did it before a long time ago, but it wasn't really um, as political. Right. And, uh, you know, I was looking back, and we predicted a lot of this. Yeah. Back in October of 2017, you got to figure that's about 18 months ago. Right. We wrote about, we call the, the article, Mercenaries in the Shadows. Right, I remember that. Okay, and uh, we talked about Obama's organizing for action and how when he left office, he created a way for 300 satellite offices to stay open. Now, you got to remember that... Before he was a senator, he was a community organizer. Right. Okay, and you really have to understand that a community organizer does exactly what Obama did. He does, they do exactly what the OFA is designed to do, and that's to get worked up over things. You know, and they, they call it community, but that's almost too little. Right. Because we, it becomes it's become so federal. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not sure they're they're not shooting themselves in the foot because this is really seeming to divide the Democratic Party. I I agree with that. However, there is not a middle of the road person on that ballot. I know. So these guys are winning. I think you're right, but the fact of the matter is the communists are winning in the Democratic Party, and that's a little scary. Well, I think a lot of people are uh, switching parties because of that. 
I mean, we're we're seeing the walk well, away. Got a lot right? of people the walk away, yeah. And I saw another article um, in the, I think it was in your South, uh, that uh, 52 other members walked away. So, you know, I, I think all this is going to do is is strengthen Trump uh, in the next election. I, I can't I see them so doing I think so too, but because if Trump wins, he's only in there for four years, I see this as a problem that we have to shut down now because in another four years, I think they know they're not going to win, but they're growing this idealism. And I think we have to cut it off. Put it this way to me. And I don't know how other people feel. It's no longer about Trump winning because I'm like you, I think he's going to win. Right. You know, something would have to tear. It would have to be terrible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. For him not to win because the economy is too good. And he is in there to get things done, which we haven't seen. Really, Reagan got a lot done, but Trump's getting more done. So in my lifetime, the only other president I remember actually doing stuff, you know, instead of things passively happening, was was Reagan. And, And I was pretty young. Well, what has Nancy and the Democrats done in the last hundred days other than scream and cry? At each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nothing. Absolutely nothing. They've but gotten get, nothing done. And they're okay yeah. with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you see, though, one of the reasons why they haven't is because, you know, I always thought that Nancy was pretty progressive. She's pretty far left. If you ask me. Yeah. And I th- compared to these folks. Yeah. Yeah. She's not. And she can't <laughs> control them. Yeah. They're out of control and they really don't give a damn about her. They don't care how much money she makes. You know, um, always before, by default, Nancy, she generated she, the most money for the yeah, party. She was the money, uh, money girl, right? So exactly. if they're not interested in her money, they're getting funded from somebody else. And Soros. Yeah. And, I, mean, I think it's, it's, it's been, I don't even think they try to hide that that much now. No, probably not. And when you're funded by Soros, you apparently get extras like shoes and clothes and <laughs> Ikea furniture and nicer places to live in D.C. Yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, seriously, because before, a whole lot of those guys were sleeping and staying in their offices. Yeah. Okay, yeah. a lot more of them are affording places they can't really afford on what they're making. Exactly. And they're definitely wearing clothes I'd like to afford. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that works. Yeah, yeah. So, to me, there have been a lot of community organizers, but really Saul Alinsky was the first. Okay. Um, the first effective one. Can we say that? Effective? Okay. Um, that really wasn't part of the mob or a gang. You know, we can call the mob a community organizer. Yeah. But, you know, there was, there was more to the mob than that. Okay. So we have to go back to the 13 rules that um, Saul Alinsky handed down. And you got to think, he started this back in like 1943. Oh, wow. 
Okay, so it's a been a brewing. And I'll tell you something. The hellbillies in the Ozarks remember? They remember that. Huh. They remember Hollywood in the 50s and 60s getting on board with Saul Alinsky. Huh. And they blackballed him then. They'll talk about it today. They quit going to theaters. Um, wow. Hillbillies are very serious about hating communism. And I think because there's one interesting thing about, and I can only really speak for Ozarki and hillbillies. There's one really interesting thing is they don't feed their children candy-coated ideas. Okay. okay? Yeah. Yeah. You know, our, our, our favorite guy, Jordan Peterson, says that ch people should not tell their children that they just want them to grow up and be happy. <laughs> yeah. Because that gives kids the wrong idea. And if you really sit and think about it for about two minutes, you realize... Why the hell did we do that? Yeah, pretty much. Well, let me tell you, hillbillies were way ahead of Dr. Jordan Peterson. They don't even claim. In fact, they think if you're happy, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> All right. They are negative people. Now, luckily, you know, me and most other people in the area are you know, a couple of generations away from the real hillbillies. Right. But you know what? A lot of that still hangs on. And if a hillbilly learns something, they never, ever forget it, and they never think it's going to change. For example, a communist could never be good to a hillbilly. <laughs> okay. You could not paint that picture. And I have a feeling that that's the same for people across the Midwest. Because in the Midwest, the middle of the country, you have hillbillies, you have working class people, you have people that their ancestors started, you know, trying to get to gold in California and broke down. And um, so you got people that came here, got here by not the best of circumstances. Right. And so they have an attitude. And, and we have then mixed in here a lot of Southern people. And Southern people can be quite negative. Nevertheless, they do not like socialism, communism, and that may be what saves our country. Yeah, I, I agree. But we got to watch out. We can't just work for the next four years, or really six years, because, you know, we got to even get to the election. Yep. And uh, we've got to work beyond that. Okay, so let's let's talk about or go through the um, how they how they plan to take over. Okay. Number one, healthcare. <laughs> yeah, you control healthcare. Take you control the masses. Yeah, yeah. And and what are these twenty people talking about nonstop? Controlling the healthcare. They don't even want the. They're no, they don't want enough private insurance out there that your employer can offer it to you. Right. They want everybody Medicare for all. And last night, Bernie Sanders said he wants a 52% um, tax rate. That's how uh, they think they're going to pay for it. And it still won't pay for it. Now, we also learned last night, let me just throw this in there because it's important, that Bernie Sanders is now a millionaire with three houses. 
So he has changed since his 2016 campaign when he wanted to, you know, add extra taxes to millionaires and billionaires. We dropped the millionaires off of there. Yeah, exactly. They cap it. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's talking about billionaire. Well, he's a lying, misleading SOB. Right. Okay. If he doesn't understand, there's not enough billionaires in the United States to take care of what he says they can take care of. I don't care how much you tax them. You could go to their door and take their billions away from them. And you couldn't pay for what he wants. And he knows that because that's what communists know. Well, they're, they're selling the a fantasy. They are selling you something that they know. It's like, let me sell you the Brooklyn Bridge idea. Right. Okay, so not only do you control the insurance, you're going to control health care. Right. Because none of these private hospitals, I mean, we've got a private hospital in this town, they'll close right down. The Coxes, they got enough money. They're not gonna bull. They're not gonna mess with us. Uh-huh. You know, they've made plenty of money. And nobody's talking about hospitals closing. I'm not talking about hospitals closing during Obamacare. We have already had small communities lose their hospitals and doctors. What about doctors with Bernie's plan? Bernie and others, all twenty of them, forty percent pay cut for the doctors. And you tell me what American doctor, especially, is going to stick with the profession. No, they're all going to be moving to Canada. Yeah, or they'll go to Wall Street. (laughs) Exactly. And they'll say, you know, they've got the medical knowledge. You know, we're already losing doctors to consulting jobs. Right. I lost one of my doctors to a health um, software company. Oh, wow. He said, are you kidding me? I have none of the risk. Right. None of the medical malpractice, and they're paying me five times the amount of money. Yeah, it's and much, I hate to tell you this, but that was ten years ago. It's much different here. Uh, you guys just sue your doctors when they make a mistake. Up here in Canada, it's virtually impossible to sue a doctor. They would have to screw up really, really bad to get sued. Well, but you guys already have socialized medicine. Yeah. Yeah, and at so one time, doctors, at one time, our doctors were heading south of the border to make the big buck. So we were bleeding doctors left, right, and center. To now, the United States or Mexico? To United States. Yeah. Okay. And now it seems to be the opposite. Really? That's that, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The opposite. They want a stress-free environment where they don't want to be sued. They can just do their job, get paid. And go home at the end of the day. Wow. You know? So, yeah, very interesting how we've done the flip-flop. Yeah. And, you know, I for one don't like it. It scares me. But that's just number one. Right. Yeah. We got number two, poverty. <laughs> Increased poverty, okay? You put everybody on welfare that you can get on it. Right. Okay. Um, disabilities, that increased so much under um, Obama. And one reason that increased too is because you are losing jobs. So a guy that had a hurt back. Right. I mean, if he was making 40 bucks an hour building cars, 
right? Right. He might stick it out and go, you know, the back, I'll, I'll just live with it. I'll just go home and soak in the bathtub. Right. Right. Okay. But when he got laid off. Yeah, he's not well, gonna going to look for that. I'm going to file for disability. So you had people leave the job market. You had more people on disability, more people on welfare, a lot more people, oh my gosh, on food stamps. Right. And those are great programs. You know, I don't want to kick those programs, but they need to be reserved for the people that need them. But they're highly government controlled. Exactly. But you get everybody on that, okay? You, you get as many people in that poor, because if you're living on that, you're poor. Right. Okay? But you're also dependent. So if you're dependent, say you're getting $700 a month. I don't even know how you'd live on $700 a month, but I, I happen to know that there are people out there that that's what they're getting. And then you go, well, I want to control these people a little more. Let's cut them to $600 a month. Exactly. These people are suddenly homeless. These yep. people are suddenly what, what they're facing out in California. Exactly. You increase debt, number three. Right, which ties into number two. You love those credit cards. You love getting people in debt. And one of the ways you can increase debt is increase taxes. Exactly. Because if you're paying yep. the taxes, you don't have the money, you, you raise the credit card debt, you, you, you buy more things on credit. Right. Okay? Um, this will produce more poverty. And I try to tell my kids, do not use credit too much. In fact, don't use it at all if you can help. And and they will tell these kids, they'll say, well, that just lowers your credit rating. Well, you know, pay your utility bill on time. Yeah. Okay? There's plenty of bills out there you have to pay. They're blowing smoke up your new-know-what by saying, well, but you if you don't buy your car on credit, you're not going to have a good credit rating. Right. Okay. That's like telling you to eat five pounds of chocolate. And they're really, they're really anxious to give uh, anybody out of university uh, a, a brand new shiny credit card. Oh my gosh, well they're still in. One of my kids lives here that is in university and he gets three or four credit cards a day. Oh, wow. all, he, all he really needs to do is call and activate them. Wow. And, and I am not exaggerating one bit. Wow. They are so anxious to give him credit and all kids in college. Okay, gun control. They want to take your guns away. Right. It makes it easier to go to martial law. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we know they're doing that. Oh, yeah. It's, Kamala uh, Harris, that is her one of her big platforms. And she has a gun. She carries every day. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, she can carry, but you can't. Right. Okay. Number five is welfare. We kind of talked about that and poverty. So education, um, indoctrinating the children. Um, you know, this has been a long time coming because first they had to indoctrinate the teachers. Now, I remember 12 years ago when the teachers' union 
when the teachers in Springfield first voted in the teachers union. It changed everything. Indoctrination was here. And we had been immune to it for a long time. Right. So you can control what the children learn in school. Throughout history, you study any of the great communistic leaders, you know that our, the children and what they learned was... Um, well, I have an interesting story on that, actually. I just read it this weekend. Um, this happened close to home here on the West Coast. Um, essentially, it was... It, it, this occurred in, in a school, an elementary school. I'm not sure exactly what grade, but they were doing a mock election to teach the kids on the, you know, election process and, and politics here in Canada. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, so they put on this mock election, but the kids were told they must vote NDP, the new Democratic Party. So one little girl came home and uh, was rather upset that she didn't actually get to (laughs) uh, vote for who her parents like. Yeah. So uh, very interesting and very disturbing all at the same time that that the, the political parties are now sticking their nose into education and and starting the indoctrination of of them. Uh, at such an early age, trying to get them aboard and get them used to voting for them. It's t- oh, absolutely. They're doing it with voting. They're doing it with um, what they teach and they don't teach in the United States. You cannot teach in most places about Judaism or Christianity, but you can about um, Islam. Right. And the, and the Muslim faith. Right. Um, that's not right. The Jews have always taken the stand. You don't, we don't want it in school at all. We don't want you to teach Judaism. We don't want you to teach Christianity. We don't want you to teach anything. Exactly. That's for the parents. <laughs> it's for the parents, but it also opens the door for crazy religions to come in. You know, like, you know, what's about Satanism? Right. Then you give them a complaint. So the Jews said the best way to combat that is just to leave them all out of school. Exactly, which it should be happening. Right. You, you certainly um, should give the three monotheistic religions the same amount of time if you're going to give it to one of them. Exactly. So I tend to believe the Jews are right. Let's keep them all out. Let's, you know, if that means we don't have a Christmas party or whatever then okay yeah it's a holiday party now yeah class warfare you divide the people the wealthy the poor the black the white the um, straight the gay the what however you can divide them make everybody mad at everybody else right and that's happening oh my goodness it's really happening and this, of course, will create discontent, and it will be easier to tax everybody. Because when we are in, discon- in discontent, when we are desperate, like we're hungry, we're upset, we can't get to the doctor, we're sick, 
we give up liberties. Right. That's what people do. That's what we learn in psychology. When people are in distress, they will give up freedom and liberty. So how do they get these things done? Well, of course, Saul Alinsky had a plan. And there are 13 rules. I think it's interesting that there are 13. Wow. Says, first of all, power is not only what you have, but what you think you have. <laughs> okay. And I, I think that that kind of goes with what we're seeing in the political stage now where they say something over and over again and the first few times everybody hears it they're like what yeah and then they slowly start to to buy into it because they've heard it so many times exactly you know and it, it's like we do with our kids sometimes you know we we tell them they're really great at something believing that if they believe it It'll come true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually, once in a while, that works. It does. It does. I the, mean... The mind that, is a powerful thing. It is a very powerful thing. So, you know, believing it. Right. Number two, never go outside the expertise of your people. That means talk to them on their level. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, Saul Walensky is talking about going into poverty-stricken areas. Now, you got to remember, he started operating in 1943. There wasn't an Internet. Right. So he went in person. Much of this can be done through, for example, Obama's OFA. Right. That's how most of it is being done. And then, remember, Obama kept a shadow government in place. And you can find that article also, Obama's shadow government, on the Right Left Chronicles. Um, we wrote about that, again, in October 2017. Right. Everything was in place. We could see it happening then. Absolutely. Whenever possible, go outside the expertise of your enemy. Talk about something your enemy isn't prepared for you to talk about. <laughs> okay. Now, we can learn from these because we can use these against them. Yeah, that's, why that's exactly where my brain show, went. We want to just keep going and going on them because eventually it'll get in our heads and we can use it against communism. Yeah, that would be easy to pull off when uh, you're talking to AOC. Oh, very easy. <laughs> in fact, I think that's happening to her a lot. Yeah, well, I think so because, uh, yeah, as soon as uh, anybody strays from the plan, y you get this kind of weird dead stare in her eyes and some stupid shit comes out of her mouth. Absolutely. So she's got to stick to script and that's it. Yeah. Number four, make the enemy live up to its own book of rules. Don't let him live in a glass house. For right. example, when Bernie Sanders stands up and says, well, I wrote a book and I made millions and I am not going to apologize. Then you say, you know what? You dumb son of a gun. You're a capitalist. <laughs> yeah. You just want us to be communists. You want to remain a capitalist. Yeah. That's the same with AOC. She yeah. hops on a plane. Yeah. And it tells you you can't ride on a plane. Yeah, get out the go out there and buy a horse, sell your car. I well, guess us I don't know what conservatives 
have got to hold them to it. We've got to say, AOC, you can't get on that plane. Bernie, if you make millions on a book, you've got to turn it over to the new health care you want to create. Yeah, exactly. You could be proud of the book. Still, we just need the money. Practice what you preach, Bernie. The most potent weapon, man's most potent weapon, is number five, and that's ridicule. <laughs> right. Well, we're, we're seeing a lot of that. You know, actually, Trump's pretty good at that. I think Trump may have studied this, but his followers need to study these more. Yeah. Even if you don't like Trump, remember, in a very short time, there won't be a Trump, okay? Or at least this Trump. Um, in four years, if we elect him this time, we have got to be ready because they are being, they've already given up on 2020. Right. They are using yeah, I think you're right. these, these steps, all everything we're talking about today, they are using to prepare for 2024. Right. And that comes quicker than you think because the hammer will be retiring the year before that, and that seems really soon to me. That's another story. <laughs> a good tactic is one that your people enjoy. Okay? Okay. So whatever people in Midtown Chicago enjoy, you have them do that if they want to play basketball for communism. <laughs> I'm being a little facetious, but not really, okay? Take what they do, take what they do well. If they're a writer, make them a writer. They're gonna write about the stuff. You're gonna tell them what to write. You're gonna feed it in their hair. If they're an actor, you're gonna have them fake a crime and go after MAGA. <laughs> Whatever yeah. you can use, okay? <clears throat> tell them, we'll get them off, okay? Right. When it comes time. So we're already seeing this stuff. Especially out of Chicago, but we got to know that this has happened in Chicago, Detroit, L.A., New York, Kansas right. City. Um, I believe probably St. Louis because St. Louis has really changed. And uh, okay, next number seven: a tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag. That means <laughs> you just hop around. If, if if what you've got isn't working. Move to something else. You can always come back to that later. Right. Use it next time. Well, they've they've burnt out the racist moniker. Everybody was a racist. And now that has diluted the meaning of the word racist. It is getting that way. I mean, it's still a little too powerful. Well, they still you use know it. What? I mean, people, I used to be really paranoid because people believe that us hillbillies here are really racist. And believe me, there are racist people. But let me tell you, there are the white supremacists around here, and they exist. First of all, they like to buy up guns. Right. Secondly, they hate Jews. And black people, Hispanics, you know, I'm not saying they like them, but I'm, not, I'm telling you that's not their MO. Right. Okay? There's not really enough. I live in a town with less than 2% black. Right. When I was a child, there was like zero. I went to high school and there was a black boy and a black girl. Wow. That was not my choice. I was friends with both of them. Still, I still am. Right. You know, but um, so I'm, I'm always paranoid about the race card because they use it a lot to talk about people in the middle of the country. Right. And 
it's a little bit of a mischaracterization. They got faults, let me tell you. I'll tell you what all the faults are one day, but um, that's really not the biggest one. There are worse things. Okay, so don't let her drag on too long. Okay. Keep the pressure on. That's number eight. I think we're seeing that with the Mueller report. They're going to keep saying it's not legitimate, it's not yeah. legitimate. Yeah. Everybody's going to say it. you got to know that when you um, work with or um, are a part of either one of these political parties, you get, you get letters and notes. Now, I will tell you that the Republicans are not very organized with that. They send them out. They tend to mail them. Uh, they don't tend to email them very much. Right. But the Democrats, the people that are, are out in front, they get the talking points emailed to them every morning. So you will hear them keep the pressure on. And they are very, they're just almost religious about reading those talking points. Wow. In fact, most of them aren't even creative enough to reword them. <laughs> yeah. They just say they just use the same line. In fact, uh, Sean Hannity loves to catch him at that. Right, right. And he will put on his show just different little outtakes on everybody using the same line. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, one day he said, if we really used all we had, he said this would be two hours of outtakes. <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding. Wow. I don't know whether he was kidding or not because. You know, I'm talking to him through the TV, doesn't answer back very well. <laughs> anyway, number nine. The threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. Now, they yeah. use that tactic on Trump all the time. We're going to impeach him. That's yeah. a impeachable offense. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you really look at obstruction of justice, it really just isn't there. Exactly. Uh, who's obstructing the justice? Exactly. He didn't fire Mueller. Yeah. He didn't block Mueller. I mean, he sent his own attorneys to do 30 hours worth of interviews with Mueller. Yeah, exactly. He he filled out the pages. Now, he did a lot of threatening, you know, and a lot of um, talking jack, as we call it around here. But he didn't obstruct anything. And firing Comey is not obstruction of justice. He doesn't have to have any attorney general he doesn't want. Right. No one else ever did. Exactly. So they're threatening him. And the threat is more terrifying than the act itself. Because, yeah. I mean, in order to get a real impeachment, they would have to get the Senate. And even though Mitch McConnell is on a different page than Trump, it'll never fly. Yeah. Okay. Number 10. The major premise for tactics is the development of operations that will maintain a constant pressure upon the opposition. <laughs> well, OFA. All I got to say about that is probably Obama's organizing for action and all the little satellites. Right. The Antifa. Thank you. We, yep. should, we should throw Antifa in there. I also want to throw in there, remember ACORN? Um, briefly. That was organizing for action. That was put in place Obama's first term, his first campaign. They were caught registering dead people, and basically they shut it down. Right. The thing about it is, I think OFA does a lot of the same thing. 
Hmm. And Trump tried to put um, an organization in place to um, combat that, and it didn't happen. I, I would say, um, and I don't know why. I'm not even going to speculate, but I know it fell apart. That doesn't mean it, it's not there, it's not happening, because why do the Democrats want all these illegals in if they can't register them to vote? Right, exactly. And I now, mean, now they might reason, get them bus to them, right to their door. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the reason for Trump not to vote. <laughs> yeah. Because when you go get a driver's license in California, and illegals can get driver's license you automatically get um registered to vote yeah well we could get a lot of congressional districts out of that and they would go for them so he's not really gonna do it he's using number nine against them the threat is more terrifying than the thing itself yeah so i i do sort of think trump lives by this the rest of us need to be a little bit more familiar with it it it's kind of funny because uh, well it's just funny I I mean I didn't see that coming that came right out of left field okay we're gonna bust them to you <laughs> yeah oh it was great that's great and and Cher folded yeah she exactly she's like yeah. we're not taking care of the ones we got yeah well you know, I told you I had a little exchange with um um Diane Feinstein right about that she goes we we've got these homeless people in my state and. We're, you know, we're not able to take care of them. I said, okay, so let's don't bring any more over the border. Exactly. Yeah, she uh, didn't answer me. <laughs> no, let's not do that. Let's take care of them. Los Angeles County alone, 50,000 people. Right. Many of those people are working people. They are working homeless. Wow. That should never happen. No, and never. Part of it is, is these rich people that Bernie want to take down um basically have driven up housing right so okay let's see have we done 10 um yes, yes we, did. we did we're at 11. if you push a negative hard and deep enough it will break through to its counter side you know that's obvious just break him <laughs> yeah again that's what they're trying to do to trump on his tax returns yeah, exactly. And he's not actually making any income from the government either. He's, no, he's donating not. his wages. And nobody cares. Right. I don't really care. Right. And um, I've said it before. I think that when you have a family empire like the Trumps, it's complicated. It's kind of like the Walton, Lori, um, the group that owns Walmart. Yeah. Um, when you put them all together... They are very rich, but what they do is they sort of um, divide it out. Right. Well, and I kind of think that's where one reason why he doesn't want to do it. Uh, did you see uh, Sarah Sanders' uh, response to that? I don't think Congress is smart enough to read his taxes <laughs> or to understand his <laughs> no, taxes. I didn't see that. You missed that I one? Did. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. great. Oh, I did miss that. Yeah. That was yesterday, so it's probably still in your news feed somewhere. It's pretty humorous. Yeah, I will watch that. That's that's good. That's probably true. Okay, number 12. The price of a successful attack is a constructive alternative. Uh, okay. 
Okay, we're willing to pay. That's that's Uncle Soros. I think. Yeah, yeah, I I could okay. see that. The you know the cause and effect is worth your dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's really about all you can say about that is that everything's got a price tag, and even the Dems had to um, discuss price here in number twelve. You notice how far down the line now, if a Republican had written this, that'd be number one. <laughs> True that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, 13. Pick the target. Freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. Yeah, Personalize well. it. I think that's what it is right there. Make it personal. Because we all know. It hurts. Make it personal, we react. Yeah, it hurts. We turn red, we do things, we act out of... Um, you know, we act crazy when you make it personal. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, sometimes personal doesn't mean us personally, maybe our kids. Yeah. Well, this was really eye-opening to me. It kind of makes yeah. sense of a crazy world, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think we just need to keep talking about it. In fact, um, this will be posted, these, um, um, you know, separate even maybe from the show on Shenanigan Free Press. Maybe we'll post those on the Right Life Chronicles, too. Okay. These lists, um, because this is important, and I think this is something, it's a script. Yeah, yeah. And the best way to beat somebody at their game is to know how to play their game. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a playbook, and uh, uh, I can. It, it almost makes sense of our crazy world that we have right now. Exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. We gotta agree with that. Oh, we definitely agree on that. And we don't always agree, but life's a journey, and we're all in this together. Thanks for listening. Godspeed, Connor, and Godspeed to all of our friends out there. Godspeed, Grace, and everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>